Yeah, you can clap. It's exciting. It's, it's a really exciting time. Uh, uh, the uh, AC has been, like Chad and I constantly push it to number one, and then our building uh, committee says, hey, 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 let's wait. But this, So this is a really exciting time for all of us in the church and, and what God's going to do. So I wanted to uh, kind of start off real quick. I'm going to try to go a little faster because we took a little time there. But we're in our current series of Hebrews. If you're new here, you've missed part of the series, you do not have to uh, worry because you're going to, uh, really, 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 I think, identify with where we're at in this book. This is one of my favorite chapters of the book, this and the following. And Hebrews, if you do not know, is a book that is written to a people that are, are struggling. I, I, if you want to go back and get the full history of it, you can go back to the first one. But it, ultimately, it's relatable in a lot of ways. Even though it's a people in a different time, a different place, uh, with different issues, the struggle is the same when our faith is waning. And we've been at times in our life where we're like, God, where are you? Where have you been? And can we trust in the full promise that God gives us? Can we fully trust that Christ did what he did on the cross? Can we trust in his leading of his way and his promises? And so this writer of Hebrews is really writing a sermon that probably was spoken as a sermon to a people who were really discouraged. If you're here and you have been in this place where things have been difficult, where you've experienced a very long season of hardship, or you are wondering, like, God, you got to do something. Like, I, 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 I'm barely hanging on here. Hebrews is a great book and a study for you. Hebrews does something that almost none of the other books do. They give us a very, very clear picture of who Jesus is and what he did. And so the previous chapters have really taken their time to really flush out the theology of who Jesus is and what he did. These, these, these books to come are very practical, these next chapters. They're very practical. They're, 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 they're meeting us right when we grasp our face and we trust that Jesus is who he says he is and he did what we, he says he did and that God will be faithful in his promises. He's calling us to be faithful ourselves. And so last week we talked about living by faith, that, that uh, a trust in faith is in this way, a trust that gives confidence that in our movements in faith. Faith can't just be something we believe. It has to be something that compels us to move. And, and we looked at these, these, uh, these kind of uh, two words that were being used in the first couple stories um, as he's going through what we would call salvation history. He's starting from the very beginning with Abel and working his way all the way through to the point of where Christ is coming. And the Bible is nonstop of somebody who carried it and then handed it to the next, and carried it and handed it to the next person to finally see the realization of who Jesus is. But one thing they had in common, these stories, is they had a spiritual sight through their faith that even though I do not see it, I trust it. I trust your word, God, and I see, I want to see through spiritual eyes what you see. But they never just believed. It moved them to action. Uh, James says it very well, faith without works is, is dead. 
We must move in our faith. The church is a people who move in that faith and what God is leading them to. This week, we're going to talk about this, and, and it's kind of an interesting topic because I think sometimes churches can take this word and maybe, maybe, maybe manipulate a little bit to make it feel like um, it, it appeases our flesh or appeases our, our wants or needs. But really, ultimately, this week, we're going to talk about God's reward to the faithful. I think it's interesting because a lot of times we do talk about obedience, be obedient to what God's leading you to, but God doesn't lead you to something that he doesn't say, well done, good and faithful servant, and I have a reward for you. And I think it's hard because we want to constantly think of reward in, in a way of like, uh, for, the, for the actions that I've done in faith here, I'll be rewarded, but reward is a much bigger term. I like this. I read it in a commentary. And it says, faith is not simply belief that there is a God, but that, uh, uh, sorry, but trust that God rewards those who seek him. And, and faith does, isn't empty at the end of it. Your actions and steps will produce fruit. And there is a reward that God has for those who are faithful. And let me separate this a little bit because I think we can get a little confused with some of the languages being used around uh, reward in, in some churches, is that there's a sense of blessing. When God has his hand of blessing upon you, you may see that manifest in your uh, situation that you're in that God is leading you through. It's a blessing. God's hand of blessing is upon you. You may see fruit grow from that, and he blesses the work and the actions of your faith. Reward in Scripture, feels like it has a very different tone. It feels like it's bigger than here and now. It feels like it's beyond maybe even our lifespan. It has a 30,000-foot view type of promise that God has. Reward feels a little bit like it's almost manifest eternally. That God is waiting and rewarding to reward you in the work and the effort in your faith that you put out, the faithful being rewarded. So we'll speak of a little bit of both, but mainly about this big picture type of God, promises to the faithful. So I titled the message actually that, promises to the faithful, and that's the main idea, is that your obedience isn't just, well, I just do what God says, and, and obedience is listening and obeying when you don't fully see it, but God promises that it's it's, it's a reward at the end of your long journey. Faith, I think this is true. Faith doesn't come easy. Having faith in a time when all you see is difficulty does not come easy. It's very, very hard. There are trials, right? There are hardships. There are setbacks. There are fails. Even when you are having faith to do something and God was leading you to, we fall back. We retreat when it becomes difficult. Some of these characters he's listing, he, he mentions their highlights, and I do appreciate that the writer does that. Probably for a good sermon, he's doing it. But he's leaving out some of the low lights of their journey, where they were stepping in faith, and then they stepped back because they were nervous, and then they continued to step in faith. But they kept moving. They didn't stop. 
They kept, even if they failed, and you will fail, and I have failed, you will continue to move forward in that faith. You know, in, in the idea that faith comes easy, I think Christians can get this idea that like, oh, if I just trust God, everything's going to work out perfectly. And that, who, if you've been a Christian long enough, know that is not exactly the journey God has for you. The, the peace that comes with trusting is beautiful. The journey can be really rough sometimes. I think we want this easy type of faith. Um, I was reading about, uh, I love basketball, and if you're a basketball fan, maybe you know these characters, but I was reading about this guy, never heard of him, his name was Howie uh, uh, Dahmer. Now, this guy right here has had the easiest journey to an NBA championship. It's frustrating, it's annoying, his rookie season, his team won an NBA championship. He's the youngest guy and the only person to come out and do that. And it was in like 1947, you know. And you think, wow, that, that must have been great. But everything from there, imagine, is all downhill. I don't know how long he lasted. I don't want that type of hope for faith. I don't want to have a faith that's like, God, just give me my reward quickly. There's something along the journey that is beautiful that God brings us through, no matter how hard it is to see. I want a faith that's a little bit more like Dwight Howard. Okay, and if you don't know who this guy is, he was, helped, he was with the Lakers when they won a 2020 championship. He had been in the league for like 16 years. And number one draft pick, Chad, you could put a picture up so we could see him. This, this guy right here, by the way, is a physical specimen of which I would like to say that I'm very similar to. And, but I was, the only reason I even got on Dwight Howard is I was like, wow, he's in such great shape for his age for so long. What is his workout routine? And then I read his workout routine. It's unbelievable. And I thought, well, I don't want to do that. But anyways... <laughs> I saw, so I went on to something simpler, and, um, and so, but he was drafted in 2004. He wins his two, championship in 2020. He was someone who just constantly couldn't get there, couldn't get there, couldn't get there, and, but, but he continually worked hard. He had ups and downs, and people said bad things, and people said good things about him. I mean, he is really someone who I think like, okay, I really appreciate that. Never gave up. Never quit. Many, many people in the NBA finally just say, that's enough. I'm done. I don't want to work hard anymore. He worked as hard as he did when he was a rookie. When I looked at his workout routine, and I know this sermon is not about Dwight Howard, but when I looked at his workout routine, I, did, I added up his hours he worked at every single day since the time he was drafted. By the time he won his championship, he put in 25,000 hours of working out to get to that place. Now, that's the kind of faith that I would like to have. That's the kind of faith that these people that the writer has chosen to write about had that type of longevity. They didn't give up. They kept going. They kept working. They, even though they had setbacks, they never really ever felt like it was always just in grass. It was very hard to take a step by step. But I like that idea in our mind of like this longevity of our faithfulness. First uh, Peter, um, if you have your Bibles, it's First Peter one six through nine. I think says sets up this part of Scripture very very well. Let me read it to you. It says so. Be Truly glad. 
Now, <laughs> if you've read other parts of 1 Peter before and after, this is to a people that uh, in moments don't, are not truly glad. It's very tough. And so he's saying, oh, no, no, cheer up. Cheer up. There is a wonderful joy ahead. This is the language of the New Testament. Actually, the entire, all of Scripture. This is the language that, that, that is asked to be adopted by believers. There's a wonderful joy ahead. This speaks of the reward. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. I uh, was talking to somebody the other day, and they're like, I don't know, like, uh, the, you know, the Bible so well, and, you know, this, this. And, and I was talking to a, a younger person who was speaking very confidently about Scripture. But then when he was, <laughs> this is not to downgrade this, this person's knowledge of faith, but then I did feel like it felt like, um, uh, and maybe I've used this example, when, you know, when parent, when, when you're young and married and you don't have kids yet, and then you have opinions about everybody else's kids, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And it felt like that. Like sometimes you, you need to stand on that passage for a long time in order to, it, it, to, to really become the foundation that we proclaim it is. It becomes a part of our heart. It is, it is the, we know nothing else but the truth of that passage. Knowing it's one thing, standing on it year after year is another thing. And so he says, make sure your faith is, it, make sure your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor. Bring, that's interesting. We usually don't get us inserted into uh, praise, glory, and honor. That's part of this reward on that day when Jesus is revealed uh, to the whole world. Verse 8. You love him even though you have never seen him, speaking of Jesus. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Verse 9. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. There's this big picture faith that's this reward that though you do not see, you will one day be in that. So let's pray really quick. God, I ask that you just take the direction of this message. Those who are in this place of, of maybe seeing such a short-term maybe or have experienced short-term uh, faith where they've given up many times. God, I ask that you just reignite that passion and that flame to continue to take a step forward. I ask, God, that those who are maybe losing sight spiritually, God, that you give them a clarity into the spiritual vision, God, that you were leading them into and give them a picture of this beautiful moment when it's a wonderful, joyous moment when, when we'll experience all the glory, all the honor for our efforts, but ultimately for God to continue to push through in these hard times that some may be facing or ones that will be coming. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 11, 7 through 22. We're going to go pretty quickly because these are little small stories along the way. But what to look for when you're reading these scriptures, especially in chapter 11. You're going to see it. If you see, once you see the pattern, you won't unsee it. It's a current situation that they're in. And they're going to ultimately see a future promise. 
So their current situation is not what the future promise is, but their current situation isn't holding them back from continuing towards the future promise. They have a long-term sight in these stories. Verse 8, by faith, and every one of these will start like this, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he uh, to receive as an inheritance. Leaving his family, leaving everyone, God is making a covenant with him, and God is saying, listen, there is a place I have for you, but you don't know where it's at, and you just need to trust me in it. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Ooh, we don't like that as Christians. That's really hard to say, okay, I don't know where I'm going. I'm going to trust you, and it's going to be one step at a time, no matter what I see. Eh, I don't know if I'll take that deal, right? It's a struggle to do it. Abraham is a great example of it. We, we, I, I'm like this. I, it, when it comes to like watching, like um, I, I'm just going to tell you right now, and you can judge me all you want. I love reality TV. You, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this. I love it. And, and my, my daughter loves it too. And sometimes we'll be watching the same show. And Anna and I will be watching the show. And my daughter will come up like, oh, oh, you're only there. And I'll be like, you don't say a word. And, and, and but my wonderful wife will go, um, who gets voted off next? Can you tell me who gets voted off? And if you ever want to see me like upset at my house, like this is the time I get upset. I'm like, that's enough. Do not say another word. Like, and it, and it, and it has happened before, and I've been so upset. Well, I'll stop watching the show. I'll just stop. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not watching this. I don't want to know what's ahead of me. Are you serious? The ending. But I don't really do that with my faith. I want to know because it's scary to trust. But, 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 but that's what we're called into. I love it with the reality TV show, just one step at a time. Can't wait for what's next. But with my faith, I struggle in this area. I'll tell you what. I'll just promise you right now. There's only one spoiler in the entire Bible. Only one. And that is in Revelation. In the very end, God wins. <laughs> That's the spoiler. That's all we get. We know the very end, God wins. Everything else is a step-by-step choice of faith. Verse 9, by faith, Abraham speaking up still, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents. This guy leaves a good place, a good situation, and now he's living in tents. And I'm sure people are like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I, I just, I have to wait till tomorrow when God tells me where I'm going next. So he's living in tents with Isaac, his son, and Jacob, his grandson, heirs with him of the same promise that God made him. God will continue it through his line. Now listen to this, verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. That's an interesting phrase in, in this. He's looking forward to a city. And at first I thought, is that Jerusalem? What is he looking forward to? And what he's looking forward to is what God has promised, that God's kingdom is coming 
And his kingdom will not look like anything that we know. His kingdom will not be what we think. It's his God's kingdom. So he's looking forward, living in tents, looking forward to something he's not even going to see yet. And he's still going. And God is the designer of it. Verse 11, by faith, Sarah herself received uh, power to conceive even though she was past the age. I, thought, I think that's really interesting. That's such a kind way to say someone is old. Um, she's past the age of um, bearing children. Sarah was nearly 100 years old. And so I would say maybe she was just a touch past the age. And, and, and it was, it's one of these things that's ridiculous. And I think this is why it's so beautiful, just the analogy of like how ridiculous what God calls us into to take these leaps of faith. She, when she first heard it, she laughed out loud when she heard this prophecy of her bearing children. It was uh, unbelievable. But God had made a promise that through you, Abraham, and through Sarah will come this promise and so God said it, and so therefore it will be done. It says, since she considered him faithful who promised. So she eventually said, you know what? If God said it, and I'm considering who he is, which we should always consider when we're taking leaps of faith, who is calling you? Because they will deliver. When you consider it, who promised it? But listen to verse 12, and this is a little frustrating for me. How I think the writer was sensitive to Sarah Therefore, from one man and him, as good as dead. Okay, now there's a little bit of a contrast. He wasn't past his age. He's like, oh, yeah, and that guy, he was like as good as dead on his deathbed. We're born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as uh, the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. And so God is taking this couple that is clearly beyond doing something and miraculously does something because he promised it to Abraham and he will deliver on the end, other end even though it seems ridiculous. I don't know if you ever watched these videos of Kyrie Irving, a, a great NBA player where he dresses up as an older man, uh, Uncle Drew he calls himself, so he puts on all this makeup. He goes out onto a court with these young bucks and he starts playing and he dominates them. And it's the best to watch because they don't know what to think. This is what happened. Everyone's mind is blown when Sarah conceives this child because God promised it. He delivered it. But you got to remember, and Abraham and Sarah knew this. We should know it. Hebrews, how we started the chapter. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for because of who gave the promise. The conviction of things not seen. And that is the steps of faith that we will take. Verse 13. These all died in faith. Now this is not encouraging. All these people he's talking about and he's listed so far. They all died in faith. What? Wait. So how they didn't live on forever? They didn't, they didn't achieve exactly what they wanted? And this is a perfect reality grounding statement he's making in the middle of all this not having received the things promised meaning the messiah but having seen them and greeted them from afar that is faith i'm i will not experience this but i'm in the process 
of uh, continuing it for someone else to continue it for someone else because one day God will deliver what he says. The, 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 the story of salvation in the Bible is a story of one person's faithfulness to the next, to the next, to the next. And it says this, and, uh, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, meaning that we were just going where God led us, we didn't have this uh, a fully established life where we could take our pride in it, we were just going where God was leading us. For people who spoke thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. I belong to the heavenly kingdom while I'm on the earth, but I see the heavenly kingdom, that's what they're saying, and while I'm on the earth, I'll go where God calls me to go. And do what God asks me to do and step out in faith because I have my eye on the homeland, the kingdom of heaven. It's part of the process. When I was thinking about this continuing legacy and, and what we're all experiencing here now, Chad, throw these photos up real quick. The, these are the people like, Rob, your head was sticking out of that hole, right? And one day, 70 years from now, we'll look back at that hole, your head coming out of there and people will be like, wow, they were seriously into it these these i don't even know these people they were part of our church legacy some of you may larry i know you were around when they were born so like i know <laughs> some of these guys here but that's the children's building right this is the time that they put in everything that's there that our kids experience it's because of the work and the faith that these people put into it and and, and now we're experiencing it now i know they probably thought the church down the road, the people in the future, and they'll probably, probably pray the prayer, God, in the future, the people who aren't here yet, let this bless them. This is what we're doing too. Also, we want to continue the same thing. It might not be exactly for us, but we're setting it up for someone else, for those in the future. I think of Jan, who is um, here today. It's her last service here. Jan's had a long legacy at this church, and this is her goodbye service. And I don't know where you're at, Jan, but like, just hearing your story, meeting your, your son, and hearing that you've had this life and this legacy for decade after decade after decade, we are grateful for the sacrifice and the love you put into this church as, and as you're getting ready to move uh, up north with your son. But I just want you to know that that legacy will steward it well as you steward it for those men there. It, it's, it's, it's part of seeing the bigger picture these steps of faith, none of these people really saw it fully come to its full bloom. You're just setting it up for the next person. That's what we're doing as well until Christ comes back. Verse 17, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac, and he had received the promises uh, received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son. Now, remember, this is not his only son. He has another son, but not from Sarah. It's a whole messy situation, a lot of Bible drama, okay? So if you want to go back and read it, you can. But his only son. Now, there's some language here that he is using, the writer. I mean, he's giving commentary as well. And of whom it was said, though Isaac shall, uh, so through Isaac shall your offering uh, offspring be named. So Abraham had this promise that's going to be through Isaac, who I'm asked to go sacrifice. I don't know how this promise is going to happen, that it will be through him. This promise is going to continue on. Isaac did not have children at this time. And I love the writer of Hebrews' commentary on this. I think it's the best because I think people really get this, this, um, 
this uh, story really twisted about this awful evil God that would have a man sacrifice his son. But I love the commentaries that this writer takes. It says, he considered that God was able to raise him from the dead for which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, you got to know this because he had this promise. And so God asked him, bring your son up here. Now, if you read Genesis 22, that's where the drama's at. You're going to see the story and the journey. Isaac is not just this little kid. Isaac's 24 years old. Abraham's 124 years old. I'm sorry, Larry, not to go back to you again, but you are a perfect example for this. If you were to try to sacrifice me, I think I could stop you. Like Isaac, so this is a beautiful story because Isaac is willingly going, knowing the promise was through him, and Abraham is willingly going like, okay, God, you're going to have to do something. Like, uh, I'm faithful, but like you promised this, so I'm going to trust your promise more than what you're asking me to do. Mind-blowing faith. And then God provided a sacrifice, the Bible says, on Mount Moriah. And I think it's really cool how Genesis uses the language that God said, no, I'll provide the sacrifice. This is the exact same place where Jesus is crucified. And so there's a lot of significance with Mount Moriah on this hill in this area. And so God provides the sacrifice. Verse 20. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Meaning this is now the blessing has come through to Jacob, or Isaac, and then to Jacob and Esau. And so you see it moving, moving, continue to go. One person takes it to another place, another person takes it to another. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when dying, right, blessed each of, his, each of the sons of Joseph, Hit one of his kids, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. What I love weird statements in the Bible. Why would that be there? What's the big deal about this staff? There's so much prophetic language in what's happening. Bowing over the fact that this is that one day it will be a staff that will lead you out of Egypt. It will not be a war. It will not be weapons. It will be this staff. And so I'm going to trust that God, no matter what, Joseph, you're the most powerful person in Egypt. Your people will be enslaved, but it will be a staff that delivers you. Love this language and bring you to Canaan. And also, Jacob, if we don't know, when he died... He asked, I want to be buried in the promised land that was promised. Because they're all in Egypt because of the famine. So don't bury me here. Bury me where the promise is. I love the foresight. I love the vision. Verse 22, last verse. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus. So he's letting them know, Joseph, who is in a very powerful position in Egypt. Number two. But he knows that there's tough times coming. And he says this, uh, made mention of, of, ex, of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. So even that idea of the big picture that God has promised something, I want my bones to be there. And 300 years later, they brought his bones and buried them in where he asked. Vision, foresight, one step by step by step, trusting God. For these people, faith is faithfulness. That is what faith is. It, it, it's a tendency to hope for something more. That's what these stories are all doing as they're 
being listed off. I love what Corey Timboom, she was one of these great figures who rescued a lot of Jewish people from Nazi control in the Netherlands, risked her lifetime and time and time and time again. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Such a great statement of faith, and that's exactly what she did. Our faithfulness is also for those who are around us too because it spills over into the lives around us, right? The reward that we are seeking, the reward that is promised, we want to share with others in that reward. That is what our faithfulness does. It inspires others. It grabs people's attention in that faithfulness. Uh, I'll close with this story. I was reading a story about a guy who won the lotto, right? And so, Rick Pierce, if you're here, um, I know this is going to break your heart, but when he won it at $215 million, he gave, he gave it away. And no one does this. And he gave the lotto away, and he gave it to charities, and he, and he kept a little bit just so he could continue to live a little bit. And, but listen to what he said. He doesn't give his name. He's anonymous. His name is Guy. So, that's just, it's call me Guy. Seeing the happy people around me is the greatest reward. When the, money, uh, when the money falls from the sky, something must be done with it to help those who are not so lucky. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. I loved the heart and the mentality. And that's what it feels like with salvation. We have this gift, greatest gift we could possibly have. Why hold that to yourself? Part of being faithful is then being faithful to share with others that they can experience that reward as well. That is what our Oikos principle is all about. And it's faithfulness to continue to journey and to share it with others this gift of salvation, which then has this great reward. And it's all through being faithful. Can you guys bow your heads? We'll close. I have a couple um, closing thoughts, just maybe while you have your heads bowed and you can reflect on. We trust in the promises and the hope. That's what we get from the story. And in your reward, God promises you. I think we should ask for the faith during trials when it's waning because God says he will answer that request and give you more faith. We should ask for more faith. And we ask for faith that overflows, that benefits other people's lives, that we can share that faith with them. And I think we trust our unknown future to the God who has made himself very well known to you. And I like what Sarah said, is I know who the person who gave me the promise is, so therefore I'll trust. And you know who the person who gave you the promise is because he made himself known to you. His character is solid. So trust in that. And then I would say this, if you're in here, the very best thing you can do is ask God for patience when you're on this journey of faith and faithfulness. I think you ask for courage and you ask for faith. You ask for vision. And ultimately, you ask for the very thing that God uh, himself is, which is shalom, peace in the middle of the journey. That's how you take the next step. When the world is crashing down around you, God's shalom will sustain you. His peace will sustain you. 
when you're struggling and, and you don't see in front of you, his shalom will sustain you. He says, ask for it. He will give it to you. And so we have to trust when we are seeking things that are difficult that God's called us to do. So let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. God, I thank you for this Hebrews 11 section of, of this journey of faith. Some people not even seeing its full fruit, but continue to follow because they know who you are. And God, I ask for many of us here that we, did, we, we act the same way in the same manner that we're going to trust even when it seems impossible, we're going to trust. And God, as even as a church, that we might, we, 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 we don't know what the future has, God as a church, but we're going to be faithful and trust because we might not be the ones to see the full fruit of this church. And God, that there are others, many, many, many down the road, decades down the road, who will say, those people stepped out in faith and trust. And here we are today. And so, God, we thank you for that. And God, help us continue that legacy. It's so easy to get caught up in just what do we need, what do we want, and just let's just keep it all for ourselves. But God, help us to have the vision that they had, which is I'm looking forward. I have my reward. So I'm just going to continue to step out in faith. And maybe I'm a part of that journey, but someone else will take it further. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand on your feet and worship with me?